Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's time for Next Gen Friday. We are so excited about the future of our fellowship that we highlight the 40 and under pastors of CFM. We hope you are inspired by the deep bench of pastors and leaders coming up around the world. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Woo, I'm nervous. It's all good, though. Amen. If you can open your Bibles to the book of Psalms, chapter, oh my goodness, 73. I want to thank Pastor Campbell. Uh, I don't take it lightly. I know there's people who are uh, much more equipped, have been here longer than me, that could be up here. I'm on holy ground. I want to thank Pastor Williams, Pastor Tozer, their investment in my life. Um, I thank God that God saved me here. He could have saved me in any church, but he saved me at the door. Amen. All righty, i got to keep this under 25 minutes or else they're going to shut my mic off. So I'm not, I don't have any catchy illustration for you, but I want to preach out of the Word of God, uh, out of a psalm from Asaph. Uh, we can go ahead and get right into it. Verse 1, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm, and they are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. <clears throat> Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance, so they have more than the heart could wish. They scoff and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily and they set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues walk through the earth. Verse 12, behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease, and they increase in riches. Amen. Let's pray tonight. God, we thank you the opportunity you've given us, God, to be in your presence. God, I'm asking you, God, tonight that you would anoint, God, Caleb and I, God, we don't place our trust in human wisdom. God, we're asking you, God, to go before us, God, the Holy Ghost, God, teach us, God, how to worship you properly. Uh, I pray, anoint our words in Jesus' Name we pray, and then all God's people said, Woo! All right, let's go ahead and get into it. I want to first consider very quickly uh, and just lay a backdrop of the, the reality of hardships in the life of a believer. As children of God, we have to understand that if we're going to live for God with any type of effectiveness, we're going to go through things. There's going to be hardships, and there's going to be trials that are going to come our way. We can think. Uh, firstly, of self-inflicted hardships in the hall of faith, we see Moses, he's making a bold decision for God. He's supposed to be uh, the nephew of Pharaoh. He has his life, it's set before him. He has the riches. He's never going to have to worry about money. He's never going to have to worry about food. But in Hebrews chapter eleven twenty-four, 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he came of age, uh, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than to enjoy 
enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. No doubt there are people who are sitting here tonight who have walked away from careers, who have turned down uh, financial gain so that they can be involved in what God is doing in his house. So these are the decisions that we make to honor God. And sometimes these decisions, they can cause us strain. We can consider hardships that are placed by God to purify us. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, You have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So these are the fiery trials that God may allow us to go through or God will actually put us through to mold us and form us uh, into a useful vessel, vessel in his kingdom. Paul, in his second letter to the church at Corinth, uh, he talks about a thorn that was actually given to him in his flesh. Uh, and he talks about how he pleaded with God three different times for God to take it from him. But God said no. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So these are the hardships that God would use to build up his people and uh, to make us into useful vessels. But then we can consider the hardships just in everyday Christian life. In 2 Timothy, Paul, he's ministering to his disciple Timothy. And as Paul is actually giving him a word of encouragement and reminding him that he needs to stick to the patterns that he was taught. In the same breath, he actually tells him that... As he walks and just goes through the life of being a Christian, that there are things that are inevitably uh, going to come against him. 2 Timothy 2.3, you therefore must endure hardship uh, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Uh, in the very next chapter, Paul is referencing his own trials, and he explains to Timothy that all believers are actually subject to this type of suffering. 2 Timothy 3.12, all who desire to be godly in Christ Jesus will suffer Persecution. Now, I know most of us know this, but uh, stick with me. That's just a backdrop. We understand that as people of God, we're not exempt from hard times in life. Uh, just because we're the children of God doesn't mean that we're not going to have uh, storms and wilderness chapters that come into our life. Uh, but it's in these seasons, like Pastor Campbell ministered this morning, uh, these seasons of the dry places where the devil would try to sow a seed of discouragement, uh, a seed of unbelief. And our writer Asaph, this is where he's at in our text. Uh, Asaph is a good man. Uh, he's doing what God wants him to do. He's involved. Uh, he's living the life that God wants him to live. And he's faithful to the things of God, which we'll talk about later. But the truth is that we can all grow weary while doing the things of God. Uh, Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. Uh, but Asaph, like many of us, he was involved in the things of God. The problem was he wasn't seeing the fruit uh, that he thought he would see. He wasn't seeing the blessing of God that he expected for his faithfulness to the things of God. And the word of God tells us that Asaph, he did something in this season of his life that was very dangerous. Verse 3 of our text says, For I was envious of the boastful when I saw... The prosperity of the wicked. The idea there is that he was envious and boastful when he saw, when he began to focus on and look at and turn his eye to the things of this world. The truth is that Asaph, he wasn't going through this battle in his mind because the wicked were prospering. He was going through this battle in his mind because he wasn't. Let's be honest. We don't care if the wicked are prospering as long as we are. See, we only begin to feel this way when we're not seeing the return from God like we think we should. 
And something happens. All of a sudden, he starts talking about the life of sinners. uh, And it begins to look attractive. uh, The life of ease that some sinners have. We have co-workers. uh, We have family members that uh, we look at their lives and they can care less about God. Uh, They don't don't care about the church. We try to witness to them and tell them about Christ. uh, And they, uh, like Pastor uh, Williams ministered on Wednesday, they think we're crazy by the way we live. But then we look at their lives and it seems like they're blessed. It's vacations after vacations, and they're running after the things of this world, and they're gaining success, and they're driving nice cars. And as we're doing the work of God, we're not seeing any of this in our life, and it can begin to twist us. It's a picture of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They start craving the foods that they used to eat in Egypt. But they're forgetting that they can't have that food again without going back into slavery. So here we find Asaph. Uh, He was once focused on the things of God. And he looked at the kingdoms of this world. I want to speak secondly about the effects of taking our eyes off of God. Originally, I had three different things that I saw in the the heart and the mind of Asaph that happened to him uh, uh, but, but we only have a few minutes here, so I just want to focus on one, and I want to uh, expose an area of the demonic that would come against us when we find ourselves looking away from God. And that strategy is that he changed what Asaph thought about God. In verse 1, I find it very interesting that he starts off this text by assuring the goodness of God. He says, I know that God is good. He lets us know in verse 1, truly, this word, it means undoubtedly, there's no argument. God is good to Israel, to such as appear in heart. So he's basically saying, if I know one thing, I know that God is good. And then we look down at verse 2, and it seems like Asaph is contradicting himself. It's, it seems like uh, he, he changed, or it's somebody else that's writing this text. He says in verse 2, But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps had nearly slipped. How do you go from verse 1 talking about how good God is to the very next verse talking about your feet almost stumbling? I believe it's that very subtle phrase that we see in the beginning of verse 2. He says, but as for me. You see, it wasn't that Asaph didn't believe that God was good. Asaph knew God was good. It wasn't that Asaph didn't believe that God was a faithful God because he knew God was a faithful God. It wasn't that Asaph didn't believe that God's promises were true. He just didn't believe they were true for him anymore. You see, it's one thing to read about the promises of God and talk about the promises of God and listen to the preaching of the promises of God. It's another thing when you're going through the fire and now you have to believe the promises of God for your situation. I've heard uh, people in my few years of being here, they'll say things like, yeah, I believe God wants to bless his people, but, but as for me, you know, I, I've been tithing, I've been giving, and I don't see the return. Maybe he doesn't want to bless me. I've seen people say, yeah, I, I know God's a healer, but... My sickness is different. I like this one. He says, uh, I used to believe that God had a wife or a husband for me, but I'm pushing 30 now. So I got to make this thing happen on my own. When I used to read this portion of scripture, this is actually my favorite psalm, so I should have knew more about it. But I used to read this and I used to think, you know, here's Asaph. uh, And he's going through it, man. He's probably walking around the church uh, 
and he's moping and he's probably sitting down during song service and he don't want to lift his hands uh, and he's probably having Pastor Campbell counsel him twice a day and he's having Pastor Williams uh, lay hands on him for his situation. But I believe that one of the revelations in this text uh, is actually found in verse 15, uh, verses 1 through, tell, uh, 1 through 12, Asaph, he's talking about the prosperity of the wicked and how he almost backslid. And in verses 13 and 14, he starts talking about uh, uh, his own righteousness and his own holiness. And he feels like he's done all these good things for God and it feels like he's done them in vain. And then we get to verse 15. And it says, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. Well, what does that mean? I have no idea. So I had to look up a different translation of our text. So I asked Guillermo on the back if he can put up the New Living Translation to help us get an understanding of what he's actually trying to say here. The New Living Translation says, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. See, the revelation of our text is that Asaph isn't speaking any of this. This is a silent struggle. It's internal and only him and God know about it. On the outside, he would have looked completely fine. He would have been somebody like Dewan, who's always happy. And you see him in the parking lot, ASAP, what's going on? How you doing? He said, I'm good. God is good. But on the inside, he's on the brink of backsliding. And as Pastor Campbell would say, his mind is being shredded because he knows the word of God is true. He knows that it's faithful. But his reality is forcing him to believe otherwise. See, Asaph was quiet and he chose to suffer in silence for two reasons. Number one, because he had enough spiritual discernment. He was a seasoned a saint and he had enough spiritual discernment not to leak this on everybody and not to pour poison on people. But I believe the second reason he was silent is because he would have been ashamed. Well, why would he be ashamed? Don't we all go through this? Yes, we do. But Asaph, he wasn't just some guy that came off the street and walked into the church. He wasn't some guy that just came off the street and walked into the church every couple months just to see what the new gossip is or to get some donuts from the men's D. He was in First Chronicles 15, 16, and 17. It says, then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint brethren to the singers to be singers. So the Levites appointed Haman, the son of Joel, and his brethren, Asaph, the son of Berechiah. See, he had position in the church. He was in ministry. He was a song service leader. He was the one that was supposed to be up here ushering in the presence of God. And this is going through his mind. If Asaph was here today... In our fellowship, obviously, he would have standards. He would be faithful to outreach. He would be that guy that's here at street preaching. He would be the one that's here for Sunday school and never missing a service. And this same guy is the one that starts questioning the things of God. He's on the brink of backsliding. How many people have ever been there? You see, you may not have been on the brink of backsliding, but... When you look at your life and you put it over here and then you look at the promises of God and they're right here and it seems like something is off balance and seems like uh, things aren't panning out. You see, I chose to minister out of this text because I can't, I don't know if you can tell, but I've been here. And in this same, uh, in, in this situation, when I went through it, I had to ask myself a question. Is living for God really worth it? Yes, it is, George. 
And before I bring some hope to you tonight, I can't say exactly what George said. It's absolutely worth it living for Jesus Christ. Uh, I believe there's a cure tonight for the ASAP syndrome. And I don't want anybody to think that I, was, I stole Pastor Campbell's uh, third point from this morning. I promise you I wrote this sermon earlier this week. But <clears throat> this morning we had a Holy Ghost song service. I don't know if everybody was here, but uh, God came down and he ministered to us. Uh, and AJ spoke out in tongues. Pastor Campbell edified the church. He gave us a word. Uh, and I believe that the cure for the ASAP syndrome is coming back to the heart of worship. It's interesting. I didn't even tell Alec that that was my, my final point. He played that song tonight. He chose to minister that song. I believe God wants to speak to us about how we worship here. In verses 16 and 17, we see Asaph. He's finally snapping out of it. It says in verse 16, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary or the refuge of God. Then I understood their end. Another translation says, then I understood their final destination. So we understand, we've already established that he was a song service leader. So you got to picture it here. When he walks into the church, when he walks into the sanctuary, he wasn't like anybody else. He wasn't just going to come sit in a chair. He had to get on stage and he had to minister. He had to usher in the presence of God, no doubt. He's lifting his hands and he's choosing to worship God. Me and Bollinger, we talk about this all the time. When we came into the church, we were pure sinners. But one thing that we have in common is we fell in love with worship music. We love when we can come into the presence of God. Uh, it doesn't matter what we're going through, but we can lift our hands and things just begin to fall off of our mind. Uh, and things uh, that held us bound uh, can begin to just break. Uh, and this is uh, the moment where Asaph actually begins uh, to have a revelation. The Bible says that as Asaph is doing this, something breaks off of his mind. He stops thinking about temporary things and he starts to think about eternity. He's reminded even though that their life of sin, yes, it looks good. They have money. They're, they have a new girlfriend every week. Uh, they're able to do things that we are not. Uh, but at the end of the day, when it comes to eternity, uh, he's reminded that he's the one that has the inheritance from God. Look at the difference of his language after he gets done with one Holy Ghost song service like we had this morning. Verse 19 says, oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. Uh, they are utterly consumed with tears as a dream when one awakes. Uh, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Uh, thus, my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. Uh, I was so foolish and so ignorant. Uh, I was like a beast before you. Uh, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand and you will guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to your glory. There's the eternity. And then 25 says, whom, I have, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fall, but God is the strength of my heart and he is my portion for now. No, it doesn't say now. He says forever. Amen. Again, he was reminded that his portion was God. It's important to note that Asaph uh, wasn't a normal, uh, a normal Israelite. He was a Levite. 
And they had a, a very specific uh, a portion in God. They had a very specific inheritance as a Levite. The, the Bible says in Numbers 18.20, Then the Lord said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them, for I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Uh, Joshua 13.33 says, But to the tribe of Levi... Moses had given them no inheritance. Uh, the Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. Uh, amen. We have an inheritance tonight, church. In Jesus Christ, uh, we were once alienated from the things of God. Uh, we were once enemies of the gospel. But the Bible says, but because the blood of Jesus Christ uh, that was shed on Calvary, we went from being enemies of God to being friends of God. We went from being uh, alienated from the family of God. And now we can inherit because we are the children of God. Uh, amen. But the question we have to ask to ourselves, ask ourselves uh, is, are we content with that? Because I believe God is looking for pure worship. The worship that we find in the book of Job, he loses his family. He loses his house and his business. And what does he do? He shaves his head. He tears his clothes off. And in the midst of the hardest time of his life, he starts to worship the living God. And I believe God honors this. And I want to make a, a disclaimer. I don't want anybody to think that I'm saying that you're going to stay in this season of your life forever. Or you're, it's never going to get better because that's not true. Seasons don't last forever. But I'm talking about our condition, <clears throat> the condition of our heart. Uh, when we have unmet expectations from God, it usually comes from a wrong motive. When I was a new convert, I had to learn very quickly. I need to be faithful to God, and I need to love God, not uh, for what he can do for me, not for the monetary blessings that he has, but for who God is. I knew if I kept serving God <clears throat> just for the things that he can do for me, I was going to hit a spiritual wall. And at the root of what I was dealing with, and at the root of what Asaph was dealing with, it's an issue of gratitude. Pastor Campbell has said it many times before. It's hard for somebody who's grateful to backslide. It's hard for somebody who is so grateful just for the simplicity of the gospel and the simplicity of salvation to walk away from the things of God. So let me ask you something tonight, church. When we worship, do we have strings attached? Do we only lift our hands and worship the living God when things are going good? Or do we, uh, do we raise our hands uh, in the midst of our trials, in the midst uh, of the things uh, uh, that are tormenting our mind? Because uh, uh, when we walk into this house, church, there's deliverance that's offered for us. But it's up to us if we want to receive it. Oh, man, I'm out of time here. I want to end with the final question, though. And it's a question that Asaph had to answer and a question that you and I are going to have to answer somewhere along the line in our Christian life. And I believe there are people here who have served God for decades, and you've already answered this question. You've been faithful. But the question is, if the only thing that I get out of this life of serving God is my salvation, is that enough? If the only thing that I get out of this life of serving God is I get to make heaven my home, are we content with that? Amen, church. We need to come back uh, to a heart of worship again, just like Job, not in the best seasons of our life, but in the worst seasons of our life. When we get, begin to lift up the name of Christ uh, and exalt him for what he's already done, not for what he can do for us, uh, we'll find deliverance. Amen. Amen.
That's all I got for you. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.